It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 chance. Oilers defenseman Andre Sekra going to Bakersfield on a conditioning assignment. That is for three games. The Oilers can ask for an extension of a couple of games if they think they need it. Bakersfield has won 10 in a row. They play again on Friday. Oilers and Blackhawks tomorrow on 6.30. Chad, game at Rogers Place starts at 7. Our coverage begins at 5.30 with the face-off show. NHL tonight in the third. Maple Leafs up 3-0 on Anaheim. Rangers leading Los Angeles 2-1. And the Flyers up 2-1 on the Canucks. First period, Coyotes have a 1-0 edge on the Dallas Stars. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Really appreciate it. Having a good chat. With Jed Roberts, former Edmonton Eskimo, and Ian McLean, the head coach of the Edmonton Huskies. Guys, thanks for uh, hanging on during the news. So before we uh, before we get a decision, and I think Ian has some other points he wants to bring up, from the world of North American pro sports, did I miss anybody, Lakers, Steelers, whoever, that should be on this list of, of considerations for, for dominant uh, eras? Ian? For pro, first think, of all, I think for for the pro sports, I think your list is pretty exhaustive. I think there's a lot in there. Uh, there's obviously a lot more that can be considered dynasties. Uh, a lot more teams that are that have been has been that dominant for a long period of time. Obviously, going back to to the early 1900s, you have you have teams that have that have really been impressive the entire way through. Uh, I, I really do think, and I'm, I'm very showing my bias on this one, I, I really think that the Chicago Bulls era in the 90s is one of the most impressive. Uh, and I think that because I like to, to read and, and study a lot of head coaches, and I think that what Phil Jackson was able to do with the personalities in that room, with the multiple distractions, with, with the way the NBA was there, with some fierce competition all over the place, I mean, I mean, the poor Utah Jazz couldn't catch a break if it like, depended on it. <laughs> uh, I, I think that what he was able to do is always something that I'm very impressed with, and obviously I'm a very big, big Chicago Bulls fan. But I think that's one of the ones that I, I turn to and look at as as far as pure dominance, and just what they're able to do on on an international scene. Jed, is there anybody else I should have thrown on there for consideration? Uh, I think pretty much covered it. Okay, I, I think I think all in all. You know, my my people have been the Yankees. You know, they, they just did multiple decades where they've just completely dominated baseball. You know, you can go even recently. You know, like it's only been recently that the Red Sox have kind of stepped into the floor there and, and dispelled the curse. But I mean, the curse was put in place by a Yankee. So. <laughs> <laughs> so that well, pretty much answers that one, right? So. And uh, I mean, that could be even a bigger discussion about the greatest North American franchise of all time. It's probably the Yankees or the Steelers who have been. Yeah. They rarely have an off year. The Yankees dropped off 
in in the eighties, and then they win four and five in the nineties. And I know, I guess this century they haven't been as had as many World Series championships, but they're still often a, a playoff contender. Uh, I, I think Ian, you know what? The, the Patriots are incredible. Fewer teams make the playoffs in the NFL. Every every playoff game is one game elimination. But I still think, and certainly in, in my lifetime, I, I got to go for the Bulls. And I mean, they had that one year that was 72 and 10. I know Jordan did retire for a year and three quarters, but I can't help but ask myself, what if he what if he didn't? And there there has been uh, a cap in place in the NBA since the, the mid 80s. You know, some you can argue maybe how difficult it was to acquire players, but I I I, I go along with you. They had the talent, they had the coaching. It wasn't always the same supporting cast around Pippen and Jordan. I mean, Kerr, Paxson, a couple different centers came in. Uh, Horace Grant, guys like that. And then Rodman came in near the end. And, you know, it's like the Pistons had the Jordan rules. I mean, teams designed entire game plans around stopping the Bulls. Uh, and they, st- <laughs> they still couldn't do it. And there were some great players in that era. So I- I'd-, I'd give the edge to the Bulls first and probably the modern-day Patriots second, at least in my lifetime. I-, I refuse to give the Patriots anything else to be happy uh. about, so I don't want to vote for them either. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I got to I gotta go with the Patriots just because uh, Ian touched on it. You know, you're talking about all those different moving parts. Like basketball's five people, you know what I mean? Um and the Bulls did it. I mean, I have to give the Bulls credit, but they they revolutionized the game in that, in that it went from being a center, like the three-point shot kind of changed basketball, but then the Bulls exploited that, right? And so they they went without a dominant center for the most part, you know, and they ran that triangle. And, uh, you know, they, they just had the right personalities to make that go, but it's five guys. Like in football, it's, it's 11 guys per side, and there's so many moving parts, and they all have to work properly in order for you to have any amount of success and for them to have the success that they've had in this century you know we're 20 years in here where they've just been dominant you know and they've always been in the mix no matter what every year year in and year out i just got to give the nod to the patriots it's, it's remarkable and i do think i like the fact Reed, that you noted that jordan retired to go you know, pretend to be a baseball player for a couple of years there. And I, I have to think, you know, what would have happened if he had done that? You know, and I, I will never know. And then I think that if he had, I probably would have made my answer to Bulls. But right. uh, <laughs> I have to give the credit. I have to give the Patriots credit. I don't think we'll ever see it again. I hate the Patriots. My entire family lives in New England, and that's all I hear about is the Patriots. <laughs> I'm a Broncos fan. And well, I, suck. I can't believe I'm saying this, but i got to give them credit. Well, th- th- that's what's fun about these types of, of, of discussions. It's like having a an unbelievable Italian meal, and then the next night having an unbelievable steak and being asked, yeah. which one did you actually like? But I think we got a consensus that at least in in our lifetimes, we're all close enough in age. It's those 90 Bulls or the uh, current day Patriots that, that are the cream of the crop. Okay, Ian, you wanted to bring up something else. I, I said we were going to do mostly pro discussion, specifically the big four, and I know people are texting in, what about the five in a row Eskimos? Obviously incredible, and then they still were, were good for, for years. Years, well, before and after that, but we kept that to the big four. But Ian, you wanted to bring up a, a college team, and there is an Edmonton tie to this because Darnell Nurse's sister Kia plays for this team. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting when you're talking about dynasties when you compare pro and amateur sports. And with pro teams, I mean, ultimately, 
you do have the ability, you can sign people, you can bring people in, there's, there's a lot more money, all those things. Uh, but but I do think that the, the University of Connecticut women's basketball team is is one of those all-time dynasties in any sport, in any continent, anywhere. Uh, I mean, yeah. for, for them to go through, it was seven of nine national championships, three or four undefeated seasons, and just the complete destruction that they did for any women's <laughs> basketball team in all the United States, um, it's impressive. And during those times, they had a couple. They had a couple different head coaches too. So to go through yeah. that, I think that that is something that is is incredibly impressive. And, and I would put them up there with any of the all-time dynasties in any sport. Well, that's a good point because you talk an NCAA, Canadian college, whatever, like nine, ten seasons. That's that's like three different batches of players, right, Jed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think UCLA had the, a similar run there with Wooden. You know, they right, Walton, just, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, or Lou yeah. Elsendor, as he was known. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that that Connecticut team is, is unbelievable. Like I, I got the opportunity to watch them play a few times. And, they just were systematic, you know. They they were always there, and it's just simpler to the Patriots, right? They had that mystique. And they just they had you beat before the game even started, right? They just kind of knew how they were going to go about doing it. We're powerless to stop it. So, well, and what's cool about that is, and like you said, Reed, you're you're having players there for four years, and they're moving on. So to yeah. go through that run of dominance, you have an entirely different group of people being able to do it, and that's that's a testament to culture and leadership. To me, that's the only way you can ever do that. But you know what? Like nowadays, with uh, you know, it's very rare that you get to keep a player for four years. You know, you, it's the same with football too. That guys are leaving early all the time. You know, so uh, you won't see that anymore. I don't think. You know, when you see Dukes doing what they're doing nowadays, it's very difficult. I mean, there's space with some. You talk about the salary cap, but that's kind of the early graduation is kind of a, a similar challenge for coaches to. You know, they have to build around. You know, kind of that anxiety of maybe having to replace that person two years in, you know, guys leaving early. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, as times change, the good coaches adapt to it and they find ways to uh, work around it and have success despite it. So, Guys, you've been incredibly generous since your time. Love having you on the show. Great dis- uh, great uh, discussion here about, about the Patriots and, and, and just great franchises all around. Jed, let people know what you're up to these days quickly. I'm working for uh, Boyle Street, a company called Ubuntu, which is on the northeast side. We're partnered with Child Family Services. Uh, I work as a family support worker, and I'm I'm just uh, helping families, guiding them to better outcomes. It's fun. And, Ian, uh, it it is not football weather, but are are you guys (laughs) must be working out and maybe learning some playbooks, or what's going on? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm off to a coaches meeting right now, and and we're in the gym three days a week as a team, and have our first field session this Saturday. So it's uh, oh wow, nonstop. And my wife is a saint for letting me uh, continue to do this. Jed, you got to come out sometime, man. You say the word. Yeah, we, we need to figure out a way to beat Saskatoon. It's gonna happen. You're telling me, jeez. <laughs> yeah, guys, you want to well, talk about dynasties? I guess that's yeah. too. Yeah, well, that's yeah, a that's fair a point. point. <laughs> All right, you guys got some northern chicken coming your way. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Thanks, on. Ian McLeod is the head coach of the Edmonton Huskies, former Edmonton Eskimo Jed Roberts, and they will get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Don't forget about brunch at Northern Chicken, buttermilk biscuits, sausage, gravy, and smashed potatoes. Sundays from 11 a.m. until 2, visit North Chicken yeg.com awesome to have uh, jed and ian on the show and you start compiling these these lists of great teams and and you leave out the 
four in a row Islanders and the uh, Lakers of the 80s and then again to the late 90s because uh, when you start looking at, at extended greatness, then you can find, like I said, the Yankees. Um, 20 World Series in 36 years. They only, in one occasion, now this was before there were divisions in baseball, so you had to finish first in the American League to make the World Series. Only once in that 36-year span did they finish lower than third. <laughs> now, granted, you know, money, there, there was the old, well, not really a joke, the old saying that some other American League teams were basically just farm teams from the Yankees. When they would have a good player, there'd be a trade, and the Yankees would get that player. But still, you had to go out and win. The Canadians, 15 cups in 24 years. For about half of that era, there were only six teams in the NHL. But still, you got to go out there and win. Pretty fun discussion. I got to go with the... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline the Bulls of the 90s, but what the Patriots have done, unheard of as well. It is 7-17, Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chet. Two assists for the Nuge yesterday in the 4-3 overtime loss against the Montreal Canadiens. At Rogers Place tonight, the Oil Kings and Prince Albert Raiders scoreless halfway through the first period. The Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors, 10 consecutive victories. Pleased to be joined by forward for the Condors, Edmonton native Tyler Benson. Tyler, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Yourself? Well, I'm doing very well. Not surprised to hear you're doing well because, uh, man, oh, man, what a run for the Bakersfield Condors. You guys have won 10 straight. Uh, I don't know if you can sum it up or if you can you can uh, nail it down to one or two things, but how come it's been going so well for you guys lately? Yeah, I know. We've been playing really well lately. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I have 10 straight, uh, a lot of wins in a row, and we just want to keep continuing that. Uh, uh, we, we finished strong there going into the break, and uh, we've continued after, and uh, we just want to keep it going. You know, you, you've played on some successful teams, uh, certainly going back to your time in Edmonton with Southside, and, uh, you know, you played in the WHL. It, it, does this compare to any other run that, that you've been on? Have, have you been on this type of a streak before ever? Yeah, it's definitely been a while since uh, I've been on a streak like this, um, but... Uh, definitely have something I want to continue because uh, it's just way more enjoyable when you're winning some games. Obviously, you don't get there, you don't, you don't put a run together like this without great goaltending. Uh, what can you say about Shane Sturette? Obviously, maybe a guy who wasn't uh, as high up on the depth chart going into this season for, for a lot of people watching the team. How has he been playing? What has he meant to this winning streak? He's been great for us. I mean, he's he's came up huge for us a, a lot of times during the, the streak. Uh, makes a lot of time we saves for us and gives us a lot of confidence. To, gives us a lot of confidence in our game. So uh, we know if uh, we just put a few in, that uh, we have a good chance of winning. The way he's been playing, he's not giving up many. 
All right. You've been playing on a line with Cooper Marodi and Josh Curry. How have you guys been clicking? What kind of chemistry do you have? Why do you think it's that combination is working? Uh, we just we just uh, been having a lot of success together lately. Uh, it's been a fun line to be on. Kareem is on a streak there where you see like he's going into every game just going to be scoring goals. And Cooper has a lot of skill. Uh, he has vision on the ice, a lot of patience. So he's fun players to play with. All right, Tyler, take us a little bit through how, how your season is going. Obviously, you're still a young guy. This is your, your first full season playing in the American Hockey League. What are some strides that you think you've made since training camp? I think I'm um, just up in the pace of my play, uh, just being able to practice and uh, skate with the team all year so far, and just uh, having hard, good practices with Coach Jay. So it's been a good year so far, and I think uh, I've been improving my, my pace of play. All right. Well, you, you know, I know from seeing you in the past, obviously you've got good vision. You're a really good passer, and, and uh, you have 29 assists uh, th- this season. So obviously that, that is working for you. Do you, do you think you're, you're seeing the ice and, and setting up as well as you would like? Yeah, no, I think I'm just uh, starting to see the ice really well. I think that's the strength I've always had. So it's definitely a little harder at this level, but I think it's something I've uh, been able to still be able to do. And, uh, I want to continue to do it and improve it. Tyler Benson joining us tonight on Inside Sports. He's with the Bakersfield Condors, Oilers farm team, winner of 10 straight. Of course, Tyler grew up in Edmonton. So, you know, you know, you, you grew up uh, in Edmonton. You, you played junior in Vancouver, so two Canadian hockey markets. What's it like bringing a, a, being a, ho- a pro hockey player in Bakersfield? I, I assume the, uh, the, the attention level and the hype around the team is a little different. It's a little different for sure, a little different atmosphere, but uh, I've been enjoying it. Uh, we've got a good group here that uh, makes it enjoyable to show up at the rink, and uh, especially when you're having success, it's been a lot of fun this year. What kind of stuff uh, do you do in the community or for interaction uh, with fans, and, and what do they say to you when you get to meet them? Yeah, we've uh, had a few things. I mean, uh, one of the first things we did was we had, I can't remember if it was our first home game or not, but we had a red carpet event and uh, just being able to see, see a bunch of the fans there it, it's good and then just going to restaurants and uh, having just having dinner with some of them it's good interaction with them and just seeing who the fans are Alright, yeah, you got a couple of games coming up this weekend against San Jose and San Diego you play a lot of games within your division so you've seen a lot of these two teams give us a, a little bit of a look ahead to playing the Barracuda and then the Gulls yeah, they're uh, a couple of the top teams in our division, so uh, they're, they're going to be a couple of tough games. Uh, so we're going to have to be prepared. But San Jose, a very structured team, uh, they don't give up a lot of chances. So when we have our chances, we're going to need to bear down and uh, do the best we can there. And then San Jose's got a lot of, a lot of offensive power on their team. So we have to, uh, I guess, uh, make sure we're ready for that game to be able to shut them down and then be able to score on our end. All right. Well, Tyler, an amazing run. Thanks for making time for me today. I know it was a day away from the rink, so I appreciate you coming on Inside Sports and continued success. I know we'll talk again soon. All right. No worries. Thanks for having me. Tyler Benson checking in. Second-round draft pick of the Edmonton Oilers. He's coming along with the Bakersfield Condors. Yeah, 10 consecutive victories. You got to like some of this. I mentioned the Oil Kings 8 1 1 in their last 10. The U of A Golden Bears beat Lethbridge twice on the weekend. They have won 10 consecutive games. 
However, the Oilers winless in five, 0-3 and two after the two overtime losses on the weekend. They'll try to get it going on uh, uh, tomorrow night against the Chicago Blackhawks. John Weidman is the play-by-play voice for the Blackhawks. He's going to join us coming up out of the uh, out of the seven. 30 news. Uh, earlier tonight, we talked about this big brawl between Acadia and uh, and Saint FX. So uh, again, the story that's coming out of this, this is Atlantic University Hockey, that a player on Saint FX, Sam Studnicka, related to uh, a woman who was a survivor of sexual assault and allegedly comments by uh, at least one player on the Acadia team about this uh, during the game. And uh, it sounds like there was a conversation between uh, the two head coaches during the second intermission of this game where the uh, Acadia, where the Santa Fe coach, Brad Peddle, asked Darren Barnes, the coach of Acadia, all right, you got to get your guy or guys to cut this out. Uh, happened again, and that leads to this in- incredible brawl. No doubt to be big punishment coming out of this. We had John Moore on earlier to talk about it. Possible possible that maybe neither team is able to finish the season either as punishment or simply because so many players are suspended that they uh, that they won't have enough guys to go into the playoffs so a story to keep an eye on there for sure we will check your scoreboard when we get back as well the leafs taking it to the ducks man anaheim 9-3 losers in winnipeg on saturday they're getting with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Counted again today in Toronto. We'll have the full update when we get back to Inside Sports. Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, not sure who's going to start the goal tomorrow for the Oilers against the Blackhawks. Talbot and Koskinen splitting the overtime losses on the weekend, and uh, each guy had uh, some good moments and some tough moments in those games. Tough one for the Ducks again. Five minutes left in the third. Toronto leading Anaheim 6-1. Remember, Anaheim lost 9-3 on the weekend. The Kings have just beaten the Rangers 4-3 in overtime. The Flyers closing in on their eighth consecutive victory. Two minutes to go against Vancouver, and Philly is up 2-1. And early in the second period, the Coyotes with a 1-0 edge on the Stars. So uh, in terms of the Oilers, that is good. Anaheim is going to lose. Uh, That is good. Vancouver is behind. However, not so good that Arizona has a lead. We'll keep you updated. Edmonton, Chicago, tomorrow at Rogers Place. 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Ched. And the game will start at 7. Reed Wilkins with you tonight. And John Weidman, our old buddy, is on the line. Just, uh, what, you just landed a couple hours ago, didn't you, John? Yeah, I just... We uh, we just got in uh, and had a little bit of a delay, but uh, not bad, not bad at all. We left Chicago, by the way. The temperatures had gone from minus 24 just a few days ago 
up to a balmy 41 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Right. And uh, and then we get on the plane, we fly here, and we get off the plane, it was like minus 17 again. So, I uh, see, I'm a winter guy, so I don't mind the cold weather, but some people just freak out. And so when I got off the plane, it was like, yeah, good to be back in Edmonton. Okay, so minus 24 Fahrenheit it was in Chicago, so minus 31 Celsius. So, yeah, we've been down around there. Man, so you guys got a pretty bad too then the good old polar vortex yeah it hit us pretty hard the, uh, the good news is is that i have a rink in my backyard and during that polar vortex time the ice froze solid and so now even though we've got the warm temperatures down there we're going to get hit with some more cold here in the next couple of days and it's going to freeze up again i'm going to have a little party we like to call the winter classic where i have <laughs> nice. friends of mine over and you know the boys go out on the rink and skate and we cook up burgers and have a few beers and whatnot and and then uh, the ladies, of course, they stay inside the house and get the wine going and all kinds of conversation. So you can kind of connect all those dots. How much How much actual snow do you, I mean, I know it can get cold in Chicago. Do you get the snow as well? Sure. Yeah, yeah. We, got a, we got a good whack of snow here. Oh, I'd say within the last 10 days, we probably got, and for Chicago, this is, this is a decent amount. We got probably 9 to 10 inches of snow. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so it was fairly significant for that area. I know 9 to 10 inches up here to the people listening is probably like, yeah, we get that in a day and a half. But, <laughs> uh, you know, but, uh, but they, they do a good job of removing the snow. And uh, as I said, I'm a winter guy. I like, I like driving in this stuff. I love everything about winter. So uh, it's okay with me. Well, you'll have a good stay here, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, John Weidman, of course, is the play-by-play voice for the Blackhawks on WGN. And uh, I, you know what? i, I got to throw something at you. Uh, first of all, how long have you lived in Chicago? Uh, 13 years. This oh. is my actually my 13th season with the Blackhawks. I moved to Chicago from Long Island. Okay. Because I, I had some, I had a good, long, fun chat with a couple of guys. Jed Roberts uh, used to play for the Edmonton Eskimos. I had Ian McLean on. He coaches the Edmonton Huskies. That's a junior football team uh, here in, uh, in, in Edmonton. And we were talking about the Patriots breaking down the game and dominant, you know, extended eras of dominance in North American pro sports. And just hang on a sec. Sorry, John, I had to sneeze. That's all right, understood. <laughs> got, got to Happened. my mic in time, thankfully. And, and the, you know, um, Jed gave, gave a, a, good, a good edge to the Patriots because he says football, so many guys, so much turnover. But both Ian and I said, you know, those Bulls teams, six championships in eight years. The two years before that started, they went to the East Final both years. And even the two years they, they didn't, make the final without Jordan all of one year and most of the second year they still went to the second round 72 wins that one year people were designing defenses specifically to stop them um, you know I, I would probably give the edge to the Bulls but it, it, it's a fun debate I brought up the Yankees 20 titles in 36 years up until 1962 Canadians won 15 and 24 but can you compare the different eras to maybe post you know 1980 Wow, uh, that's a really good question. I, I will say this, you know, as far as as far as the basketball is concerned, I'm kind of out of my element there. But I know that the common denominator to the Bulls' success was Michael Jordan, and without him, uh, they weren't the same team. Um, he went away for a couple of years to actually go play baseball yep. with the White Sox organization, <laughs> but then came back and joined rejoined the Bulls. Same owner, by the way, for both the Bulls and the White Sox, so he kind of kept it in the family there. But 
um, you know, they were they were great with Michael Jordan. They were good without him, but not great. Uh, as far as uh, the Yankees are concerned, being a Kansas City Royal fan, and I'm oh, talking no. a dyed-in-the-wool <laughs> Kansas City Royals fan, okay, uh, my thoughts on the Yankees are they're the best team money can buy. Um, and uh, so that, that goes way back to the George Steinbrenner years when, you know, he, he was, I mean, I give him a lot of credit because he built championship teams, but money was never an object. And so he went out and got the guys that he felt could uh, put together that team and make it a championship team. And so, uh, you know, so the Yankees, yeah, they've got a, a penchant for being successful. Um, but when it comes to hockey, and, and I've held this belief really for almost 30 years, maybe even, maybe even that length of time, maybe even longer. I'm trying to I do the math in my head real quick. The 84-85 Edmonton Oilers team, in my opinion, just my opinion, I'm 61 years old, I've seen a lot of hockey, okay? even the WHA teams, and I'm going back yeah. to seeing the NHL back during its original sixth time and those powerful Montreal Canadian teams. I believe the 85 Edmonton Oilers could have beaten any team in any era of hockey. And no team was standing. I, I, don't, I can't think of one team that could beat that team in a seven-game series. They had every component necessary to be a championship team, and they were. And if not for the miscue, uh, unfortunately, poor Steve Smith. I mean, he won the cup the next year, but the, making that pass off of Grant Fuhrer's pad, if that pass isn't made, if he held the puck a second longer, we're probably talking about six straight Stanley Cups for that Edmonton Oilers team. So for my money, and it hurt me to say it because I'm a dyed-in-the-wool Chicago Blackhawks fan. Right. And I used to see the Oilers come into Chicago Stadium and, you know, just take any hope away from Hawks fans, and then they'd march on and they'd win the Stanley Cup. But as far as I'm concerned... There's no team in the history of hockey that could have beaten that team. Well, and that was the team that won the fan vote, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, the greatest team, greatest team of uh, of all time. So I, I love debates like this. There's there, there's no there's no real right answer because you can always compare. You know, say, oh, well, this era there were this many teams. They didn't have a cap, whatever. But but it, it's fun putting the list together when you go back and like, oh yeah, like the Celtics, eleven titles in thirteen years, right? Mm-hmm. Now the NBA was totally different, but still, uh, they they won it when other teams didn't. John Weidman joining us on Inside Sports, getting you ready for the Blackhawks and Oilers tomorrow. Okay, uh, well here's uh, the question you you knew was coming. That one was a bit of a curveball. Drake Kajula, how's he doing with the Hawks? I like Drake Kajula. Uh, you know what? Um, he's a guy that every time I would see the Hawks play the Edmonton Oilers, he stood out to me. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he plays big. He has an appetite for going to the dirty areas. Uh, he is not afraid to, you know, not afraid to bump and grind. He's not afraid to get in somebody's face that's larger than him. And I think right now he's playing on a line with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Tays. And I think he complements that line in a way that, you know, another another maybe more skilled forward could not. Drake does a lot of the dirty work on that line. And uh, the other day he got a payoff in Buffalo with a goal and two assists. That was a career high, I understand. But he, he he's he's a he's a kid that you know you saw him play with the Oilers. You could see that there was some talent there. There was some moxie. Um, he's I think he's been by coming to Chicago. He's been put in a position where they said to him. Just go be Drake Kajula, and we're going to find a place for you. Because things right now with the Blackhawks this season, things are in a state of flux a little bit, and they're beginning to come out of that here here lately. But when Kajula arrived, 
you could tell that you know there was a need for what he could bring to the lineup, and he had been played by Jeremy Colleton, the Blackhawks head coach, on several different lines trying to find that fit. And one time, I think it was about a week and a half ago, he threw Kajula onto a line with Taves and Kane in practice, and he liked what he saw. And he said, all right, I'm going to put these guys into a game. And they've been together ever since. So to me, so far, uh, Drake Kajula has been a real plus for the Blackhawks. Well, you, you know, you're, you have Oilers fans shaking your head. That was one of the trades that, that led to the downfall of, of Peter Shirelli, who, of course, was dismissed a couple of weeks ago. And... Mm-hmm. You know, Brent like and Kajula, he he can be inconsistent, but but you're right, he can get in there and muck it up when he has a hot streak. He's he's very good, and he had a lot of people, including me, scratching their heads, thinking like, okay, fine if you want to trade Kajula, but you're taking on Brandon Manning and you're taking on an extra year of a contract. Now Manning's been, uh, you know, okay in Edmonton. I guess we still got to give him a chance. Mm-hmm. Why was why was he not uh, a guy they wanted to have stick around in Chicago? Well, I'll say this for Brandon Manning. I I liked him personally and I I liked him as a player for a couple of reasons. I personally from a personal standpoint, I got to meet his family. They're great people. And uh, I think Brandon is a real reflection of his mom and dad. They're both great people and he comes from a great family. Um, as far as his on-ice contributions are concerned, I feel like Brandon Manning was a guy who quietly but very firmly supported his teammates. Uh, Troy Murray is, is the man that works with me as, as uh, my color partner, and Troy's an Edmonton guy. He's from St. Al- uh, Albert. And um, he, he's one of those guys that played hockey through that era of the 80s. In fact, he played against that Edmonton Oilers team, I'm telling you, about 84, 85. It, in Troy's world, when you have a team that needs somebody to stand up for a teammate, that, you know when you have a need for that, and you've got a guy like Brandon Manning that fills that need, you earn Troy's respect immediately. And we saw a number of occasions where Brandon would step up when a teammate might have been in trouble or somebody might have taken liberties with that teammate, and Brandon would make that other player accountable. Uh, as far as his defensive abilities are concerned, I think he struggled a little bit under Joel Quenville's system a little bit. I think I think there was there probably was some confusion there. I, I feel I feel bad for the guy because I think he gave his heart and soul in an effort to try and help the team win. I think he would have done anything to help the team win, uh, but if things didn't go as well as as I think he believed it that they could have when he originally uh, came to the Blackhawks, and it's it's just kind of unfortunate that you know. He was relegated to a position of maybe sixth or seventh on the defensive chain. And, and fair or unfair, that's kind of where he ended up. Um, I don't know if he was happy to get out of Chicago and come to Edmonton or not, but I will always respect the guy, and I will always like him because of what he did for the team. Well, we, we've definitely seen he, he'll he'll get in there and stand up for guys, absolutely. John, one more for you. Thanks for being so generous with your time. Sure. Uh, so the Blackhawks have won four in a row. Uh, but they're five points out of the playoffs. It will stay that. Vancouver just lost to Philly, who have suddenly won eight in a row. That's pretty impressive for them. You know, the Oilers are out of the playoffs by three points, and, and they firmly said, we are trying to get in. We're not going to mortgage the future, mm-hmm. but the goal is a playoff spot. What What's the, the dialogue for the Blackhawks, even with this uh, hot streak? Is it we're targeting a playoff spot? Is it need? Is it we got to step back and rebuild a little bit? What's the franchise attitude? I was actually hoping that you'd ask me this because on the plane on the way up, I was looking at the media packet that we get for the game notes every day for you know for a, 
one of the games on game day. And I was charting the Blackhawks' uh, progress or, let's say, maybe regress at some times uh, of the season. And from October the 27th to December the 11th, the team was 316 and 316 and 3 or 316 and 2. I'm trying oh, wow. to remember the numbers off the top of my head. They were not a good hockey team. That was the time where Joel Quenville was uh, relieved of his duties. It actually happened right after the game down in Calgary, uh, uh, right after the game that took place here where uh, Miko Koskinen was in goal and shut the Blackhawks out, stopping, I think, 40 shots in that, in that win. 4 nothing was the final. The team went down to Calgary, and they got a 3-1 to lead on the Flames. Couldn't hold the lead. They ended up losing that game 5-3. to And a couple days later, Joel Quenville was relieved of his job. Jeremy Colleton was brought up from Rockford of the American Hockey League. So Jeremy takes over as the head coach, and he's taking over a team that is so used to doing things the Joel Quenville way that that transitional time really took a lot out of the season for the Blackhawks. If you check the, the ledger, you'll see that they're – was an eight-game winless streak where they went like 0-5 and 3, and then there was an eight-game losing streak where they lost every game, and they were outscored. Uh, I, rough figures here. I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but they were outscored something like 76-50 to 50 during that time. And, you know, I won't say that all hope was lost, but it was getting to that point. Well, what's happened since then, is the team has turned things around, and they've been a pretty competitive hockey team. They, um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to try from memory to to cite you the numbers. Eleven, I think it's eleven, six and five, in their next twenty-two, something like that. Eleven, eleven, six and four, maybe eleven, six and four. I think is what it is in the next uh, twenty-one games. And what we've seen is we've seen we've seen kind of a, a feeling of esprit de corps in the U.S. Marine Corps. They have a thing called esprit de corps where Everybody backs up everybody else, and that is that's starting to take place with this team. It has been taking place. Um, the guys aren't feeling any pressure because they they points wise were so far out of the playoffs. They thought, well, let's come to the rink, let's work hard, and let's see what we can make happen. Well, lo and behold, they've won two on the road. They in their last ten on the road, they're six three and one, and that had been a nightmare for them. And this team a couple of nights ago. When the game ended in Minnesota in overtime and the Blackhawks had won, they were three points out of the last playoff spot. So all of a sudden the thinking is, is guys, it's right up there because those teams that were supposed to be way ahead of the Blackhawks after that terrible losing time, they're now, you know, you could almost reach out and grab them if you reach a long way. So the thinking here is with 29 games left, yeah, they're probably going to have to win at least 20 of those. But the way that they're playing, I think they really believe in their hearts and minds that it's not that impossible, and then they can get it done. Well, it's another tough matchup for the Oilers, and I got one for you, John. Uh, the Oilers last 11 home games. They have mm-hmm. two victories, so no advantage yeah. lately at, uh, at Rogers Place. Hey, thanks for checking in. I always love having you on the show. You're always incredibly gracious, and I look forward to seeing you at the rink tomorrow. Well, thanks for having me on. I always love talking to you, and hey, we'll see you at the morning skate. That is John Weidman checking in from the Blackhawks play-by-play chair with WGN. 7.52, quick timeout on Inside Sports. Edmonton Oil Kings trailing Prince Albert 1-0 at the start of the second period at Rogers Place in the NHL. Make it eight straight wins for the Flyers. They edge Vancouver 2-1. The Kings get by the Rangers 4-3 in overtime. The Maple Leafs ring up the Ducks 6-1. The Coyotes lead the Stars 2-1 
Eight minutes left in the second period. Andre Sekera, Oilers defenseman, heading to Bakersfield of the AHL on a conditioning assignment. The Oilers will host Chicago tomorrow. It's on 6.30, Chad, with the face-off show at 5.30. The game will start at 7. Will Oscar Clefbaum play. Tune into Oilers now with Bob Stoffer noon to 2 for the latest on that. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for listening. Come on, just... 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.